play Jack Brothers any? <laughs> oh yeah, oh, yeah. we're back. Yeah. yeah, so we're back from our break. <laughs> that was a really quick break. Mm-hmm. Our end probably is just as quick as yours if you're listening here. If you're still listening, thank you very much. You poor bastard. Uh, don't say that. <laughs> I know where they released uh, schedule hit uh, in terms of chronology but I've got uh, Jack Brothers here which is a virtual boy uh, shooting up yeah. a spinoff what uh, I hear is a platformer starring uh, Jack Frost like now the Atlas mascot and his uh, friends have you ever uh, have you ever played Lolo uh, for what? NES Lolo it's related to Kirby oh Lolo uh, no uh, yeah it's apparently a lot like that I haven't really played it but yeah it's supposed to be a puzzle ish kind of game in that vein and all the graphics are in red because it was virtual, boy. <laughs> right. I can't... I could not uh, force myself to play that damn thing. Well, who knows? Uh, maybe with uh, 3DS, they'll make a Jack Brothers uh, revival. <laughs> oh, God, yes. Well, I think... Uh, or SMT, of, yeah. Yeah, in honor of the uh, 3D capabilities of the 3DS, we should just have a giant virtual boy virtual console. And make it like Game Boy Color, where uh, you put in like the special cartridges and get like special color schemes, so you get stuff that's not just red. <laughs> no, I think uh, being red and black is an integral part of it. I also think uh, <laughs> eye damage. I think they should uh, create a part of it that will squirt like uh, Vaseline or something in your eyes. Well, you've already heard like now three with the, well the advent of like the 3D home uh, home consumer electronics. Now they're like pregnant women and children and people with like bad eyesight should not use these electronics. It's like. Mm-hmm. Huh. So there, uh, there's a constant thread of, uh... <laughs> All right. Permanent uh, eye damage for young children. Yep. Great. I love new technology. Mm. So what's anyway. this I see about a Megami Tensei Gaiden Last Bible? Which I think oh. was called Revelations Demon Slayer? Yeah, it came out here as Revelations Demon Slayer. It's very... It uh, lacks a lot of the uh, uniqueness of... Uh, the other Shin Megami Tensei games because it's uh, kind of set in a fantasy world. You still talk to demons, but it doesn't have the in-depth mechanics or anything. It's not so much the culture clash of uh, modern civilization as we know it with the demons. You see right, dudes in you're armor. Right, still going to like medieval castles. Monsters, you're like, eh. It's like dudes in armor, seeing demons. What's new? <laughs> right, and yeah, it just. Uh, I mean, I own it, and it's it doesn't suck, but. Hmm. I don't know if... It doesn't exude, like, the unique flavor that you like best in TV. Right. Let's blow up past all that. Uh, Majin Tensei. What's Majin that? Tensei is kind of the uh, almost uh, Fire Emblem-ish strategy RPG series. And I only played a little bit of that, too. Uh, once again, no fan translation, no sale. But um, from what I can tell, it does actually have a lot of those interesting elements, but it doesn't quite have the... Uh, it's got pretty good gameplay, but it doesn't have quite the mechanics to back it up in the same way that some of the other games do. So moving past, uh, I guess, uh, side stories that don't really, uh, like the, the side spin-offs that don't really interest us, we go to Shin Megami Tensei Devil Summoner, which, mm-hmm. I guess, which is the only one that has a Shin Megami Tensei game next to it. As just as, a, I guess, they... Well, I wonder why they did that. Actually, I don't think it did. Uh, I think that was kind of... The first one did have SM- Shin Megami Tensei Devil Summoner. But then later, oh. entries did took out the SMT. Um, yeah, I want to say they didn't. No, hang on, I can take a look. I had the PSP version of like this, like the the PSP PSP like emulation of the Saturn version on the and, and it had the same exact title scheme. So, no. I guess that's just how they decided to tackle the how they connected. Yeah. Oh yeah, it is. Shouldn't be going to say double summoner. Because my argument of, uh, yeah, they don't call any of these things Shin Megami Tensei outside of the 
whatever. Aside of that one case, I guess. <clears throat> yeah, we'll just call that an exception because it was kind of the first one. But uh, yeah, Devil, Su or Devil Summoner was another interesting game, almost in the same way If was, uh, but it also has... Uh, it's kind of crappy. Um, you see the main character, he has like a... What, what do you call that hairstyle that he's got on? <laughs> uh, he has a pompadour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a pretty rad pompadour. I in fact, that's say. not even supposed to be... In fact, that's not, even, that's not even supposed to be the protagonist. That's supposed to be... Uh, and it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be like this devil summoner, uh, like this well-known devil summoner detective. Is, I think. Well, it is actually kind of the protagonist because because you see you... what happens is uh, in the intro, in the first part of the game, uh, you are on your way to a concert. You get lost. You get tricked into going into a building, where this guy uh, named Sid sadistically murders you. Yeah, and he uh, has like a, a, a an awesome tan. <laughs> right, he's uh no, he's a black guy with a big magenta star uh, tattooed on his forehead. And he has like silver hair, right? <laughs> right, he's pretty. He's a little bit on the wacky side. Yeah, yeah, and you, I don't know. I guess it's just me because I never, I was never confronted with that kind of uh, dungeon crawling RPG, so I naturally got lost. So it didn't take long for him to kill me at all. <laughs> right, and um, after and that. You, and your weird uh, soul gets gets trapped in the devil summoner's body. Yeah, and you become reincarnated in this recently dead uh, devil summoner. I have the definitive summary of the game. Awesome. Uh, from a guy who did a Let's Play. But yeah, the entire game is based on pacifying the spirit that was lurking under Tokyo. There's a Tokyo ghost? Did a bunch. I guess the basic gist is... Uh... The story starts from being uh, killed by a serial killer and being uh, like leading into this uh, recently dead dude's body. For some reason, wasn't. Uh, I wonder how he died because you can't really leave it, to, leave it to body like that. But otherwise, the story spirals into some uh, uh, like and insanity involving uh, like this, the dead spirit of a, a god or something like that. Right. Uh, well, she was a princess of this one place and. Uh, what happened was there was this other empire that, like, invaded and killed everybody, and she, uh, her restless spirit was uncontent about everything, and so it went on rampages, and they sealed it under Tokyo or whatever, whatever this town was called. And, uh, they, uh, naturally, Sid is trying to resuscitate it and destroy shit, so you have to stop her, naturally, by beating the crap out of her. As underwhelmed as we seem to be by Devil Summoner, it, it, it did introduce, introduce some good things to the future uh, Devil Summoner games, right? <laughs> yeah, it has a lot of interesting things going on, definitely. But And it's, you know, an interesting game, but it's also uh, very unrefined. Like, Demon, it had the, uh, what's the, uh, oh jeez, the, uh, the loyalty system. Which, in the later games, is not so bad, but in this one is just, like, so extreme that demons who are unloyal will just leave you. And sometimes those are a pain in the ass to get, so. Yeah. Things like that. The entire city has the Persona 1 problem going on, where the entire thing is made of Lego bricks and moves at about 15 frames a second. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, uh... Like I said, very rough around the edges. Interesting ugly as hell but uh, yeah I think it would actually probably do damage to Atlas if they were to bring it over here now yeah uh, even if they is, did try <laughs> yeah and quick side note there will be uh, a let's play of this game sooner or later uh, on the GameSpite forums oh cool uh, yeah the same guy who I just sent that summary to you of uh, is doing the let's play so hmm. 
and he speaks Japanese, so he'll so actually... they understand what's going on. Yeah, he'll be able to tell us what the hell is happening. So, the Devil Summoner, well, it's, even as much as we sound like we're kind of, yeah, nonplussed by it, it did get a Soul Hackers uh, a sequel. Right, it did get a sequel, Soul Hackers, which is much better, actually. Very, very much better. In fact, some people even look at it as the Tentacle series. Uh, I'm actually about one of those people. Uh, but it is quite good, uh, especially compared to the last one. They toned they toned down things like loyalty. They got a pre-rendered map, and they did a lot more interesting things with it. It's uh, the most sci-fi game in the series since Shin Megami Tensei 2. Oh, um, a lot of cloning and. Well, more <laughs> of uh, it's actually like cyberpunk. I think I have heard that a bit, about it being cyberpunk, too. Yeah, you, you go into computers and fight digital demons that way. Digital devils, rather. This was uh, before the Matrix, but they still had a bit, bit of that shiny black leather. Right. Costumes uh, and stuff. Your girlfriend who gets possessed by an AI program called Nemissa uh, eventually dresses in black leather. <laughs> black leather with bell bottoms, of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And she has, like, sky blue hair or something like that, right? Yeah, Nemesa has sky blue hair, your girlfriend has, uh, Itomi, uh, has just normal brown hair. And they'll constantly, like, switch back and forth, and some of the banter between them is actually really entertaining. <laughs> Anything about the story that's, uh... Um, yeah, it's an evil corporation that has so many, uh, 16-bit era JRPGs, or, sorry, 32-bit era JRPGs had. Um... You play as a bunch of hackers in a group called the Spookies, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's an interesting story. It has a few elements that would later be spun into Persona 2, and a couple other things. There's some psychological elements to it, but, uh, it's also where Kazuma Kaneko, well, this and the original Devil Summoner, where Kazuma Kaneko drew, uh, just one metric shitload of demons. Uh, if you look through Pandemonium, there's like 400 demons in that, you know, between those two games. And they basically like never came back until like the latest entry of the series, huh? Yeah, they recycled some of them for, uh, some of them are a little wacky, so I can see why they didn't revisit them so much, but some of them came back for Nocturne, some of them came back, uh, a number of them actually came back for, uh, Devil Survivor, but yeah, uh, a lot of them are resurfacing for Strange Journey. Oh, I guess we can't talk about like the spinoffs uh, from that era that started that era without like uh, talking about. I guess what everyone's like basically most people like know SMT nowadays. Uh, I guess they all really know is Persona. Right, which makes me a little sad because I really love Persona. Uh, you know, as much as the next man, but there is more to the series than just that. Than just social links and honorifics that people get all hung up on about. But, yeah, uh, that's because those people are just pissy. Right. I guess they'll just. Uh, Man, it's like so much. Basically, I didn't play any of them until a Nocturne, so that's just like, I'll stop mentioning that. Uh, yeah, let's go with the Persona 1, which hit PlayStation uh, and eventually got a PSP port. Yeah, as far Apparently as Apparently, has concerned. a Windows port. Sheesh. Yeah, it did have a Windows port in Japan only. Wow. <laughs> but as far as I'm concerned, that's the first Shin Megami Tensei game to really come here. Yeah. Like, Jack the... Bros technically preceded it, but. Uh, no one actually gives a rat's ass about Jack Brothers. Yeah, and so. it was like, came here as Revelations Persona, which is like, their attempt at branding before they decided to just use Shin Megami Tensei. Right. That is and sick, to a certain degree, that actually makes more sense, because almost every game in the series has Revelations. Uh, very few of them have reborn goddesses. Hmm. 
I they do have some sort like of uh, element of coming back from the dead. I mean, not, or like, you know, spiritual, like, uh, or Yeah, quite universe. often they'll have themes of, like, death and rebirth, but... Yeah. Uh, but Revelation's persona was... Uh, Shin Megami Tensei, up until that point, had been very much driven by uh, plot. It didn't have a whole... It's its characterization was rather sparse. Um, you know, it's painted in broad strokes, much like a lot of the older Final Fantasy characters. And this was kind of a, an attempt to make more in-depth, more personal stories. Um, mostly successfully, they kind of stumbled in that a lot of the characters are kind of pricks. But uh, outside of that, it was, yeah, once again, interesting experiment that holds up a little bit better than something like If. Uh, it, but it uses a lot of those elements. Um, it, like, it has the... It was the introduction of Personas, which are heavily modified Guardian forces. I keep on using Final Fantasy VIII terminology. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. Oh, orphanage. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't remember the... <laughs> yeah, I can't remember the uh, name they gave them in If. For the life of me. So, yeah, we'll just keep on calling them Guardian forces and... Atlas USA or Atlas Japan, you can yell at me later if you're listening to this. Uh, I bet they aren't. Not even Atlas USA. I bet they totally this. are. In any case, I know they're invested in everything I say. <laughs> I'm their one. I'm the one guy in English who will complain about this, and I know they're very excited to see what happens about it. What man? <laughs> what you say, white man? <laughs> Anyways, so episode the the the. School, uh, school, based uh, RPG. I guess most people see it as, in a way, um, like the year of high school. <laughs> yeah, you play as a high school student, second year, uh, and it starts off. You know, you're uh, going off with uh, some sort of rumor, uh, which later became an important part of the series. But uh, there was a uh, kind of an urban legend that if you did this game called Persona you would uh, see, like, ghosts or whatever. And you start off, you start the game doing this in a small room, you see a white ghost, uh, and then you're taken into the unconscious realm to see a guy named Philemon, um, who, if uh, for those who aren't familiar, Philemon is, uh, in fact, this entire game is influenced very heavily by Carl Jung's studies. Uh, Carl Jung being a uh, psychologist, philosopher, contemporary of Freud. Um, and Philemon was his guide to the spiritual, or his spiritual guide, his uh, guide to the unconscious world in a way. Uh, and he kind of serves the same role in this game. He introduces you to your personas and says, oh, things are going to happen, so you're going to need this. And as soon as you wake up, things are starting to become a little surreal. The town has been invaded by zombies and shit. Not just demons, uh, straight-up zombies? Well, no, sorry, actually. First, you, uh, your uh, high school health, your nurse, uh, tells you to go visit your friends in the hospital or whatever. Oh, you were going to say, uh, tell her, get, get her some coffee? <laughs> yeah, to go get, you, uh, you go get Maki Sanamura some coffee. And, uh, no, you go to see Maki Sanamura in the hospital. She's uh, diagnosed with rare anime girl syndrome. Aw. Uh, which has left her bedridden of course and unable to do anything so she looks forward to any classmates visits but um after you see her there she kind of collapses and she has to be rushed into the emergency or the emergency uh er uh 
the emergency room, as it were. Yes, that that word that I couldn't remember, room. That very difficult and complex word. Um, yeah, she has to go, she has to be rushed off to ER, and then suddenly surreal things start happening, like you open doors and there's just like a wall behind it. And yeah, then zombies do come up, straight up zombies. And uh, you uh, awaken to your personas, they come and defend you. And you're kind of off on a quest after that. What nobody seems to realize is about the time that Maki is rushed off into the ER, uh, things start changing around them. What's actually happened is, uh, no, it's spoilers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once again, if you're uh, planning on playing Persona PSP, you might fast forward just like five minutes. So the big reveal is... Uh... The entire game takes place in Maki Sanomura's mind. Mm-hmm. Um... So what happens is, about the time she's uh, all these surreal things start happening, uh, you start to realize things are just aren't quite right. And eventually you see, whenever you go back to your school and try to help out some of the survivors, you find a perfectly healthy version of Maki just walking around, uh, being chirpy and positive. And uh, you go along with her and you see all these various things, and eventually it becomes clear that this is sort of an idealized version of her. The healthy, happy version that uh, is outgoing and all that crap. And she joins your party and all that. And, uh, let's see, after that. Uh, so then you fight the various manifestations of her mind. Everything is just kind of, in some way, representative of her personality. Um, the other thing that's interesting about it is that, especially now that I'm playing it in retrospect, because I played it, I played the PS1 version shortly after I played Nocturne in 2005, I think. Oh, cool. And uh, it's kind of hard as hell to play now. But I played through a good portion of it, and playing through it again on the PSP with the cleaned-up translation and all that, it uh, made much more sense, and I started to catch on to some of the ideas behind it, like uh, the symbolism and things. Like uh, every you know MacGuffin that you have to get as part of the story is a mirror of some sort, which is sort of tying into the theme of there being other selves as well as uh, a lot of the game is uh, focused on introspection and uh, self-examination. Uh, a lot of themes of like self-loathing and vanity. So. That's to get all film school on this. That's kind of awesome. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Uh, it does, it actually has some interesting subtext and ideas behind it. Um, and there was also the uh, Snow Queen quest. Yeah, I was about to get into that, yeah. Which, uh, you know, was tragically removed for um, the Americas because the, uh, Atlas wanted to get it out as a Christmas release. But Final Fantasy Seven was right around the corner or something like that. Right. And, uh, you know, naturally, uh, getting it out in time for Christmas turned it into a massive blockbuster hit. Uh, I know they sold several million copies. Wait, you're, not, you're not kidding about that, are you? <laughs> I might be. Oh, hmm. That's a lie. Uh, they sold, okay. like, two copies. Oh, well. And, uh... So, yeah, Persona kind of dwelt in obscurity. Uh... It's not you heard, you heard that story. Uh, I mean, the, the, what's her name? Maki, right? Yes. Yeah, you heard that story. What, what happens in the Snow Queen one? So, in the Snow Queen one, you kind of avoid the uh, main Sebek quest, is what they call it. And you go find... Uh, the story behind what happened uh, as part of the history of your school. Um, 
so it's kind of based on a Hans Christian Andersen story. If you look up the Snow Queen, that's probably the first result you'll find in Google. Cool. But, uh, yeah, it turns out one of your teachers uh, had to deal with the guilt of one of her friends dying and blah, blah, blah. And uh, it all kind of ties into this mask of the Snow Queen that you find in uh, the school gym. And when she puts it on, she's transformed into the, uh, to the Snow Queen and kind of warps the school into another dimension. <clears throat> Much like SMT if. Uh. And, uh, yeah. Um, and there are three towers there. The Thanatos Tower, the Hypnos Tower, and the Nemesis Tower. Uh, all of which are children of Nyx. Ah. Tying oh. it into P3. <laughs> now very clever. Yes, yeah, very. In fact, uh, Nyx is the final boss of the Snow Queen quest. So. Oh. Um. But, yeah, it's, uh... And you get to see various characters from the school being tortured, and you find out some of their backstories. Um, you get to see this guy named Chunky, or uh, Oh, Toro. I heard about this. Yeah, uh, a penis demon explodes from his chest because uh, he's uh, he's angry that he has a crush on this whorish kind of chick named Ayase. And a uh, penis demon explodes from his chest, and she kills him in one hit. Yeah. Oh, she gets killed or she kills him? She kills him. Oh. oh or she defeats him, rather. I don't... I'm pretty sure he, he, uh... He actually does live despite having a penis demon erupt from his chest. Yeah, we talked about episode one. Let's go under two now. And two is, uh, actually a big, 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 big step up. Not, um, not, li not least the fact that it is, you know, literally... Well, it's such a huge project, it was like two games. Yeah, and also, uh, I mean, it just changed a whole hell of a lot of things about the entire series. Like, for starters, it's, it was the first game in the series to really be 100% third-person. Like, uh... Persona 1, you had first-person dungeon crawling, yeah, right? You, yeah, you had a few third-person scenes and, like, rooms and stuff, but for the most part, it was uh, first-person dungeon crawling all the time. And uh, Persona 2 was straight up, you know, viewed from a kind of isometric camera. Um... Uh, but yeah, the entire thing was uh, third person. They also like changed up certain things, like they simplified demon negotiation in Persona 1, they continued that there. Um, they made it a little less arbitrary. And it um, made it seem a bit, a bit more goofy, right? Like I see a screenshot of this, uh, this, this, this demon, like, why do humans have to shave? Or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah some, of the, uh, some of the conversations are really funny. Um, well, Persona's always been a little bit more lighthearted than Shin Megami Tensei in that, you know, not everybody dies. Uh, you don't indiscriminately murder everybody to get the good ending. One of your options in Persona 2, I believe, is to uh, make motorcycle noises. You can have your main character make motorcycle noises at the demons, and that pleases <laughs> some of them. Aww. And what they did is they didn't have a guy go boom, boom. They actually just took motorcycle noises that they recorded, <laughs> which is pretty fantastic. Yeah, we need more game with games with a vocalized. Not, or not even vocalized, just like people speaking with arbitrary sound effects. Right. <laughs> so. Like that cup clicking you just had on your side. Oh, yeah. I didn't know you could do Was that a cup clicking? I didn't notice. Uh, that was just me fiddling with something. Uh, I see. Well, in any case. So we got Persona 1, uh, the story to give place. And, oh, actually, not gonna, we just said we weren't going to have spoilers, so that's why we chapter marked that. So so we got Persona 1 like having its whole dealy. With Part 2, though, it's uh, quite a departure from... It's it's uh, it's themes right, like the like the 
with the sort of uh, underlying uh, they didn't have much of a law chaos battle in persona one but uh, mm -hmm. there was like two deities like uh, dueling right yeah it's kind of uh, a wager between two other worldly beings in You've got persona philemon 2. and uh, philemon and narlathotep narlathotep from the from hp lovecraft's works right uh, the egyptian guy yeah um but yeah, uh, they're basically uh, have a wager to see if humans are competent enough to justify having free will or whatever. And if humans uh, are worth uh, worth their worth their weight in existence, I guess. I guess. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, in a way. And uh, so you go into all this weird. Once again, it's uh, just a little less. You don't go into people's minds, but it is still very psychological. And uh, in a lot of ways, Persona, or Persona 4 borrows a lot from it. Um, in that you uh, you fight your shadow selves, but it happens at the end of the game. Which is kind of why I think I might have been a little bit more impressed with Persona 4's shadow stuff if Persona 2 hadn't done it like uh, nine years before it. And not like, and maybe not as strong as the, the entire plot with it. Right, and they actually did a better job with it. Because what they did is they first established the characters, then talked about like their flaws and whatever else that came out. Turns out that one of the people in your party has a drug problem. Wow. Uh, but so rather than baldly state like, "Hey, this is your character's underlying motivations," or like they, their 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 psych, like their like their inner psychosis, like their inner problems with their with their social image or whatever, and it's like right. now you gotta fight it. Right, and so it seemed more like they were developing the character rather than just, like, baldly stating, hey, this is the dimension that this character exists in. And now you have to do whatever it is to resolve their conflict or right. with fighting. <laughs> right, exactly. And to a certain degree, it's it's similar, but, like I said, I think Persona 2 did it a bit better. Let's see, so it starts <laughs> off, uh, once again, with rumors. We're uh, starting off with Innocent Sin, right? Because... Yes, and I played through... Pretty much all of Innocent Sin, so. The French translation, right? Uh, yeah, I started off with uh, the guide, but that was kind of a pain in the ass to do. Mm. Uh, because many, many years before the fan translation came out, there was the uh, translation guide, which was a very rough translation with full of, like, sans and samas. Uh, it seemed kind of weird and awkward. Uh, you know, it was just a very literal translation. But, uh, you know, it was functional, and I can't diss the guy too much. He speaks more Japanese than I do. Yep. And uh, it, at least for the most part, made sense. Um, but yeah, I played through most of the game on the fan translation, the hack. And yeah, it's, uh, it's a very good game, although I would say Eternal Punishment is quite a bit better. Uh, as to why it didn't come over here, there are a lot of conflicting rumors. Apparently, content like Hitler coming back did not have anything to do with it. But, uh, but you get Hitler off the place in World War II. Well, actually, yeah, exactly. Know, but he's like he's in the shadows. Yeah, and it's in the back of your mind. The World War II game, Hitler's going to be right. And so apparently, that had nothing to do with it. it. Was just like some other stuff that people aren't willing to talk about right now. Or, or even like in the. Even in the Retronauts episode of Persona, they were like, they don't even remember, basically no one even knows why, anymore, why they didn't bring Persona 2 Innocence into America. Yeah, well, in part, uh, apparently Christian Nutt came out and said he knows, but uh, he was not able to tell because, you know, uh, 
reasons that you know you know you just don't disclose certain things mm. but um yeah so who knows it's all rumors and speculation at this point yeah. but uh there's some rumors saying that uh, uh atlas tried to uh, go to sony for approval of devil summoner soul hackers and they were shot down because the game was so goddamn ugly <laughs> and uh that just kind of scared them away from doing localization for a while. Hmm. So, God knows, or God only knows why uh, this all happened. But uh, Persona 2, it starts off with the central theme of the game is about rumors. And about how, you know, spreading baseless rumors can fuck up people's lives. And uh, it starts off very similar to Persona 1. You uh, are going through an urban legend. Uh you're trying to summon this guy named the Joker. And the rumor is that uh, this is set in 19... This is set in, like, 2000-something. This came out in 1999, I believe. 2000X? <laughs> yes, 2000X. I want to say it's actually, like, 2002, but whatever. Well, yeah. they use they it actually, Well, the thing is, like, in most of the Persona games, they're only set, like, two or three years after they're released. Same with, like, Persona 2... Or Persona 3 came out in... Uh, what was it, uh, 506, and it was, like, set in 2009? Yeah, it was set in 2009, it came out in 06, so. Yeah. And same with Persona 4, it was set in 2011. Yeah. But, uh, so, cell phones were still fairly, you know, new is in terms of, like, popular electronics. People yeah, had had cell phones for a long time, but, yeah. yeah, kids were now starting to get them. Everybody and their goddamn grandma had a cell phone at this point, or was starting to get one, at least. And so the idea was, if you called your own cell phone, you would summon a guy called the Joker, uh, no relation to the Batman villain. He even to, looks like uh, an actual Joker. <laughs> yeah, he like looks like a legit. Yeah, kind of weirdo. But uh, he would, you know, attack your enemies or do whatever you wanted. But uh, he would say, like, if you don't have any ambition, if you don't ask me something, then I'll just steal your soul and you don't have any right to live. So he comes and turns some of your friends into uh, pretty much er, husks of uh, their former selves. And uh, he, for some reason, recognizes you and your friends, uh, specifically Akechi, Lisa, and uh, yourself, uh, Tatsuya. And uh, he's, you. And it's like, you'll pay for what you did. And everybody's like, what the hell are you talking about? Because uh, as far as you know, this is the first time you've seen this guy. Nobody knows what the hell he's talking about. And, as far as I uh, know, he's just this wacky urban myth come to life. Yeah. Right. And uh, he just starts to freak out, and he says, what's the point of killing you if you don't know what you did? And so he uh, says, he drops this uh, flower at your feet and says, like, as soon as you remember, I'll come back and kill you. Because I want you to make sure that you know what you did. And uh, so, yeah, it kind of proceeds from there. You try to fi or figure out what's going on with all of this. And, uh, you know, shit goes down. Hitler comes back uh, because of rumors. Man. <laughs> so basically, the whole rumor thing is basically how they managed to justify all the crazy shit happening in that game. So they count uh, somebody publishing their crazy conspiracy theories as a rumor, which is how Hitler managed to survive in the Antarctic for a long time and build up an army with which he uh, invaded Japan. Yeah. Hitler in the Arctic, that's like reverse Captain America. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, maybe, uh, I don't know. 
But uh, for some reason, he had the Lance of Longius down there. And, uh, he always gets his hands on that damn thing. Yeah, everybody uh, everybody in that era got their hands on the Lance of Longius. So. I mean, that was Evangelion era. Oh, yeah. This is very true. So, and because, uh, and there was also, like, much like every, or much like so many 32-bit eras, uh, JRPGs, there was a stunning twist uh, in terms of duality or relationship between the Here on a protagonist, uh, protagonist and the antagonist, antagonist yep. as, as happens so often, like in Final Fantasy VII and Chrono Cross and all those. Yeah. Uh, Xenogears. Uh, Threads of Fate. Threads of Fate, yes. Okay. Yeah, it, a lot of them. And, yeah, but it's just a really interesting game and kind of a shame that we never got it. In any sort of official capacity. In well, any official capacity. Although, I think there are pretty good chances that eventually we will see Persona 2 for PSP. Yeah, with both games integrated in as one package, you mean? Right. From Innocent Sin to... Eternal Punishment, which did come out here. Right. And Persona 2 Eternal Punishment is the first one I played, actually. Hmm. Uh, although, I played it in 2002, I think. And uh, I played it because, like I said, I saw some of that art, and I just really liked the way it looked. I thought, you know, it was getting pretty good reviews. I thought it looked interesting. So, I started playing it, and I just, for some reason or another, I just didn't really get it. And not too long after, I uh, went on to like Final Fantasy VII, which was flashy and awesome, and I latched onto that much better. It wasn't until like Nocturne that I uh, went back and replayed it, and everything finally clicked. Hmm. But uh, Persona 2 is basically, or Eternal Punishment rather, Persona 2 Part 2 is uh, basically adults fixing all these things that the kids screwed up in the last game. It's the only Persona game where you have an all-adult party, and uh, they and all have characters jobs. And the characters from the last one have grown up a bit, right? Yeah, the characters in 2 are, uh, well, they're about the same age, but uh, you get to see all the characters from Persona 1 and older. Oh. Which is interesting. But yeah, it's just generally a better game because they simplified things like negotiation. They made everything just a little more user-friendly, and... Uh, you know, just generally better design all around. Um, that was it, yeah. I think a lot of people just automatically assume Innocence Sin is, uh, is better. A lot of people say that just because we never got it. Mm-hmm. It has that kind of allure, that mysticism of this game we never got, this magical holy grail. And it was only in Japan, so obviously it's better. <laughs> right. As so often happens. Yeah. Uh, which is actually, you know, pretty rare. Mm. But... Who knows? Yeah. Um, well, the base story of uh, Part 2, uh, uh, Eternal Punishment, has some uh, similar elements to Part 1, right? I mean, it was an innocent sin. Uh, right. There's the Joker. Yeah, it's... In uh, a completely different form. <laughs> right, exactly. It's supposed to be the exact same thing, but kind of retold in parallels. Because it's sort of like a parallel universe, where at the end of Persona 2, uh, bad shit happened, people died. And so they all sacrifice their memories in order to revert it. Which would be kind of a bullshit ending, in my opinion, uh, had it not been for Persona 2 uh, Eternal Punishment, where uh, one of your characters remembers what happened on the other side. And that was your protagonist's character in Part 1. Right. right. Tets- uh, Tetsuya. 
and uh, things start to unravel after that. Everything starts happening again, and you have to kind of prevent it. You have to fix it or fix it all. But uh, that's uh, where you get to see Philemon and Nyarlathotep again, and that's their final confrontation. Nyarlathotep is eventually defeated, and that's why you don't see him so much in the modern persona game. Well, besides, uh, I guess, uh, I guess getting past the story, then, uh, getting to the, like, actual play, like, the battle system. It's, um, it's kind of weird. It's almost like, uh, it has some elements that are precursor-ish to, uh, uh, press turn, but at the same time, it still has that almost Dragon Quest-ish vibe. Um, so what you do is you select all your commands, uh, their preset, and the menu will memorize them. And so as soon as you do that, you set it on auto battle, and they'll just do whatever you told them to. They'll select the enemies you told them to, hmm. and they'll keep on doing that until you tell them not or until you tell them to stop. And you can uh. stop them at any time. Yeah, it's just it's kind of weird in a way. It's almost like a more simplified version of gambits or macros in a way. Uh, macros being from Fantasy Star Four, gambits being from Final Fantasy Twelve. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's strange. It's. Uh, not a bad battle system, but it definitely, I think it would benefit from a, like I said, the PSP re-release would be uh, helpful because they would inevitably touch up the interface and things like that, which need it. Um, the interface in Persona 2 is kind of clunky, both parts, uh, you know. It's just, you know, 32-bit design versus modern systems. Interesting game. Uh, also, the other thing is that they removed fusion for Persona 2 both parts in a way. Uh, what they had is you negotiated with demons and you got these tarot cards. And they this would... wasn't the first time the tarot figured into Persona, persona categorization, was it? Um, well, there was there were tarot elements in... Uh, there were like tarot alignments in Persona 1, but you didn't get the cards. Ah. It was the first time you had the cards, and what you did is you kind of mixed those in a melting pot to create your new Personas. And you can also get uh, blank cards, which Kazuma uh, Kanika was sitting in the Velvet Room, and uh, he would hang with you and uh, paint on these cards and make the specific ones you want. Oh, wait, yeah, he is actually in the game as one of the characters. Right, he's, uh, he has his self-portrait in there. <laughs> and he's the, the demon painter. So. Yeah. Um, and that's actually an interesting element that kind of binds all the Persona games together that we should probably touch on is the Velvet Room. Yes. This is this big purple room where uh, Igor and his bros hang. Okay. Uh, specifically in the older games, Belladonna and Nanashi are nameless. And uh, in Persona 2, Kazuma Kaneko or the Demon Painter. Um, it's basically just this uh, world between reality and your mind, in a way. Okay. Where you unlock new personas and fuse everything together, uh, all with very... Uh, soothing opera music and whatever else. Uh, the song of everybody's souls, as they like to call it. Which is actually Shoji Maguro's very first composition for the series. Yeah. It's, um, a, it's a pretty nice piece, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the aria for everyone's souls or something like that. Right, like the, the aria of souls. souls. Uh, yeah. Song of everybody's souls, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> All souls song, yay. Yeah, that soul song. Yeah, I guess we'll... Uh, Play that, cut that one in here while we take another break. You want to take another break? Yeah, actually, uh, 
In fact, let's, let's cut it off at this as like one episode, but then we'll keep recording later, later tonight, I guess. Alright, we'll end off with uh, everything before uh, the stuff that really kicked off SMT is a phenomenon in America, I guess. Alright, yeah, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I'm starting to get heckled. Yeah, alright. So, so uh, let's stop it here then. Tá, 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 tá,